Welcome to the Property Management Brainstorm Show with Bob Preston. Bob is the president, owner, and broker of North County Property Group, the fastest growing and top-ranked property management company in North County, San Diego. This podcast is for property owners and investors who are considering hiring a professional property management company to manage their property assets. You'll hear from leading professionals on the best practices surrounding the San Diego rental market, what's involved in successfully renting your property, and how to make sure your property is managed correctly. Now, here is your host, Bob Preston. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Property Management Brainstorm podcast. I'm Bob Preston, your host, and I'm broadcasting from our studio here in Del Mar, California. And today, I'm excited to talk about a topic that's near and dear to my heart because I'm a pet lover, and that is, uh, do you or don't you allow pets in your rental home? And if you do, how can you manage that process? And I have a guest with me today who knows a lot about this topic, and that's John Bradford of PetScreening.com. So thank you for joining us, John. Good morning, Bob. Hey, thanks for having me on your show. Yeah, I know you are a busy guy. Uh, You're a property manager. You also have a political career that we'd probably like to hear about real briefly, and you've started this new service, PetScreening.com, and would love maybe if you just started the show introducing yourself and what you do and, uh, you know, tell us a little bit about your new PetScreening.com service. Yeah, no, no problem, Bob. So I come from the property management industry. I actually started a company. I, I live in the Carolinas. I live in Charlotte, North Carolina, so I'm obviously on the other coast. And I have, gosh, I've been in the business 14 years. Uh, I actually served on our industry's national board of directors. I think I was on the board for maybe seven or eight years. I actually was the national treasurer of NARPM. And I do have a political career. I uh, started off as a town councilman, and now I serve at a state level. I'm in the North Carolina House of Representatives. I'm in my fourth year. Uh, We have two-year terms out here, serving my second term in my fourth year. I'll be running for a third term this fall. But what I did is I basically took my two skill sets, Bob, understanding property management and the risks that we deal with every day, not only with people, but the other P word is pets. And then, of course, you know, we see a lot of individuals who are making accommodation requests for assistance animals. And in my political career, even though I'm at the state level and, and that is more of a federal set of statutes, these issues are hitting states. And a lot of times my colleagues say, go see Representative Bradford. He's in property management. So I'm seeing more and more issues coming across my desk regarding assistance animals. And many times it's questions about, you know, this seems like fraud or, uh, you know, and it's a real shame because I know there's a real legitimate group of people that need these animals. We hear about are the ones that seem to be taking advantage. So I sort of took my two skill sets, both legislatively and property management, and I created PetScreening.com as a service to property managers, which also is a service to the owners that you serve to help risks with pets and pet owners. And then also we help validate assistance animal status for anyone seeking an accommodation request. Yeah, so that's to hear more about that a little bit. We'll touch on some of the federal laws. And all yes, that. you know, it's interesting that you're in politics. I had on one of my episodes, the mayor here in Del Mar, Dwight Warden. And one of our big issues is vacation rentals, right? And oh, yes. there are a lot of, and I'm sure you have some of that in North Carolina where a lot of neighborhoods are trying to ban vacation rentals because yes. sort of hoteling yeah. and the commercial zone. So anyway, I just thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah. No, yeah. And, that, and, I've, and I'm a big property rights guy, so I fight for property rights. And yeah. those bans 
can sometimes be overreach and you got, it's a balance. I understand it's a balance, but, uh, but just eliminating that is not something I'm usually a fan of. So. so John, maybe just to kick off the show too, if someone were to be interested in your service or your product, petscreening.com, what would be the best way to reach out and, and find you guys? Yeah, you know, I mean, so our, our domain is petscreening.com. And if someone is a landlord, um, you know, and it doesn't matter, we have landlords with one rental property and then we have mm-hmm. landlords with thousands of, ma- of properties. We service single family, vacation rentals, multifamily. What I like to say, Bob, is if you're in the business of putting a roof over someone's head, chances are pet screenings for you. And this is a free service, by the way, to all landlords, property managers, and all the owners that you work for. You know, they're very fortunate because uh, you use the service and they actually, you know, get the value of the service as well. So they can just go to petscreening.com and, or they can send an email to info at petscreening.com and we'll, my team will jump all over it. Perfect. Or, you know, uh, listeners can connect with us here at North County Property Group and we can put you in touch with John. Yeah, absolutely. So, okay. So I hear a lot of statistics. We here in our company, we run the numbers and we say about two thirds of all applicants for rental properties have a pet, you know? So uh, one of the very first questions I get when I meet with a new owner is, hey, you know, uh, I don't think I want to ask, I don't think I want pets in my home or will you allow pets? I mean, it's a big topic of conversation. What are the numbers as far as you know? I mean, I'm sure you've studied this and kind of have a national yes. number or maybe you know it's... Yeah, so, yeah, so yes, great, great question, Bob. So there's actually a couple data points. Apartments.com, which is more multifamily, they did a study years ago and their number was 72%. About two thirds. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Right. <laughs> now, um, I will tell you that it does vary from firm to firm. We also see some real regionalism. We see in warmer climates, people tend to, I don't know why, but we just see more pets. Like sure. in the state of Florida, for example, that's a state with a lot of pets. So it is very safe to say that over half of the properties that are being managed or properties that landlords own are going to deal with pets. And I will tell you, we've been measuring the average number of pets per household, and that number has been hovering right at 1.3. So it's not just a factor of one. Not only, let's say your firm, to your point, it's two-thirds. It's actually more than that. You take two-thirds, and then you multiply it by 1.3 because some people have a dog and a cat or two dogs. So uh, pets are like family, like you, Bob. I love pets. I I don't believe every pit bull is a bad dog. I, I, I believe it's kind of like going to a restaurant where you have a table of screaming children. I don't fault the kids. I fault the parents. And we take that same philosophy here at Pet Screening. We, we actually look at the risk associated with the pet and the pet owner together because that's, that's key. Yeah, that, that's a big topic here. And I think that's the purpose behind, you know, your product and your, your service is uh, uh, we're all about mitigating risks in this business. That's right. In a landlord, right? Uh, it's risky. It's a risky business. I don't care who it is, who's renting their home. When you invite someone else to come in and rent, you're taking a risk on that person and their and their profile, right? So yes. um, maybe what you can do is tell us how it works, um, how someone registers. Tell us about your product. We try to really keep it easy. So what we do is we provide every landlord or property manager a pet screening link that's unique to their company. Mm-hmm. So your, your company has your own pet screening link. We so, do, right. So when someone comes into your office or calls on the phone, they say they want to make an application, I am quite sure your application asks if they own a pet or an animal. And if they say yes, then you would easily say, well, just go to this particular link at pet screening and you provide the link. And when they click on that link, that brings them to our site. And what we do is we, we're really a data company. We're collecting data from the pet owner about their pet 
And we really focus on three things. We focus on what I call the ABCs. We focus on the affirmations. These are a series of question and answers about the pet owner's care of the pet, the pet owner's understanding of pet policies. Very simple things. Just like, Bob, a simple question. Do you keep your pet on a leash at all times mm-hmm. in an enclosed fenced area? And you would be surprised how many pet owners answer no to that question. And then, of course, we ask why they answer no. And they'll say, well, my dog or, or whatever has been to obedience school. And it, and it basically says that my dog is obedient and doesn't need to be on a leash. Now, you and I both know that anytime there's an animal that's not on a leash, that is a risk. <laughs> that's right. Pet bites. A large number of pet bites happen when they are off leash. So what we do is we collect the data and the responses. Uh, we also collect information. We ask, has your pet ever been quarantined? If so, why? Has your pet ever bitten an animal and caused injury? Has your pet ever bitten a person and caused injury? We ask about the breeds. We ask about the size, the sex, the weight. So we collect all this information. And we don't manipulate it. We collect it. And then we have created our own patent-pending risk algorithm. And we, you know, very similar to when you do a credit check on a person, you get a FICO score. Yep. We issue a FIDO score. And it's a play on words, uh, but a FIDO score is a score that we provide the property manager to point out any housing-related risk. And then that score can be used to help make better decisions on do you want to accept that pet and that pet owner. Um, And a great example would be you might get someone who has a, uh, I'll just pick on a German shepherd that has never bitten anyone, that has all its micro, has a microchip, has all its vaccinations. And it might be a really good dog and a really good pet owner. The only risk factor is the fact that it is a German Shepherd, which is a known higher risk breed. But again, because I'm a pet lover, I don't unilaterally say that all German Shepherds, you know, should be denied. So we just give you the risk data. And if the only risk data associated with that particular application is the fact that it's a German Shepherd and everything else in the application is really good, you might, a landlord might just decide to rent to that German Shepherd, but they might charge a little more to cover the risk. Sure. Yeah, no, that all totally makes sense. So we've uh, started using your product. We're, we're customers, so full full transparency yes. here to our audience. <laughs> I'm one of John's yes. customers. And we've just started using it ourselves. And it's interesting because, you know, we found ourselves asking the kind of questions you just articulated to tenants and our leasing managers or our property managers for having to do that. And it was kind of uncomfortable, right? It's almost like yes. you're invading a, a, a part of that person's privacy and asking about vaccinations and stuff like that. So the thing that I like about the service is that it, it sends the tenant, the prospective tenant off to a third party site. It's uh, sort of a one-on-one questionnaire. Nobody's watching, nobody's listening. And it allows the tenant to answer all those questions that you just mentioned in sort of a private, you know, private environment. Yeah. I mean, that is right. one of the benefits. It is. And you know, you know, it's really cool. We built a product because, you know, you and I have already said we're pet lovers. This product can be used by the pet owner in a variety of other ways. Let me give you an example. I live in North Carolina. We've already talked about that. I grew up camping and my family loves to camp. And every time we go to a campground, campgrounds, as you can imagine, are very pet friendly, right? I mean, people bring their dogs and they, and even cats camping. Mm -hmm. I will tell you more and more campgrounds want to see copies of vaccination records before Again. So what you can do is once you have a pet profile with PetScreening.com and you're checking into the campground, you can say, what is your email address? You can log into PetScreening and you can share your pet profile with the campground by typing in their email and hit send. And voila, 
They have everything on your pet, including vaccination records at their fingertips. Yeah, that's pretty nice. I'm sure that comes in handy if you were to want to kennel your dog or even Bingo. To, yes. to pet dog groomer or whatever. You know, yes, you you just, yeah, yeah dog, groom, dog groomers won't even cut an animal, put a pair of shears to it until they know they're vaccinated. Right. So, so, if, you're, so if you're a tenant and you filled out a profile, it's not just for the landlord. You, the, that's the, right. The tenant can share that with other professionals or other, you know, yeah. we call or, it a, uh, we, we call it a pet management product that they can use for other facets of their life. That's right. Yeah. And we had a situation recently where someone came in and filled out uh, the pet profile, the pet screening on, on your site. And uh, it turned out they didn't get the property we were offering, okay. but they were pretty pleased because they could still take that information they'd already yes. collected with us and they could share it with their, you know, their next, yeah, uh, got it. next that's right. it's, it's, it's portable, which is, it's, it's unlike a credit report. That's not portable. This is portable and they can port it around mm-hmm. months. And then after 12 months, we make them go back and, you know, or we ask them to go back and update it. That's up to them. Right. So I'm sort of bouncing around on the questions I <laughs> was planning to okay. ask you here. So, um, okay. So it sounds like everybody wins. The landlord wins, yes. the tenant wins. And that's, that's, um, I love that. So that's really good. What about if something happens during the tenancy with the pet, like there's an incident or yeah. something happens? Is that is there a way to capture that information? There is, yeah. So part of you know part of our patent that we filed with the USPTO is we've created the first national database that can be used by landlords and property managers and community managers to report different types of incidents. So it could be a pet bite. So if someone reported a pet bite and you validated that really did happen, you could log into that pet profile and make a note that there was a pet bite incident, put in the details, and that incident report will follow the pet and the pet owner in perpetuity in our product. We also have other categories such as property damage. So if you do a move out at the end of the year, and it's a cat that has urinated the property so bad that you have to replace carpet and pad, and usually you have to replace pad when it comes to cat urine because it goes through the carpet, the top layer, well, that's an expensive uh, endeavor to do that. So you could then log in and find that cat, that, that particular cat profile, and report property damage and describe what happened. Uh, we also have unauthorized pets. If you find uh, someone who has an unauthorized pet, and then your owner decides, okay, we'll make them go through pet screening and let's see what, what we're dealing with. And if you decide to keep the pet and the person that had the unauthorized pet, you could still at least report the fact that this person has a history of having unauthorized pets. And this is all data that sure. helpful to the next landlord down the road. Well, it's also helpful to our property managers if they end up um, being uh, asked to extend a lease because yes. then we're gathering information throughout the yes. course of the lease as opposed to just kind of one snapshot in time. That's exactly right. So one of the things that has become more and more commonplace in my business, and we've started doing it, is the pet guarantee. I'm sure you're familiar with this concept. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> And yeah, so we've started, uh, because of this high number of tenants and applicants who want to bring a, tent, a pet into the home, we've started offering the pet guarantee. And, um, you know, this service that you offer allows us to offer some further assurance to ourselves yes. and the homeowner that the pet we are vetting is really done. We're, we're vetting the process properly, I guess. Yes. Yeah. Kind of, yeah, I mean, I, I think, yeah, I think that's, you characterize that very well. I mean, right now, I, I'm not going to suggest to you that applicants are not being untruthful. But what I do know is if you're not asking the questions, you're not getting the data. And we ask the questions to codify the record. And we, because we're asking questions that the property management industry really has never asked, 
we're at least building a layer of liability so that if someone is untruthful, they're on the record as being untruthful. And that is very important if there's an incident, because in front of a judge and jury, you can demonstrate, well, you know, we asked if this dog had ever been quarantined and why. And guess what? It was quarantined and they lied to us. You and your owner can hold your heads high and say, we asked the questions. And because there is no central database to go find quarantine information, because that's usually at a municipal level and there's no place bringing that together, just the fact that you asked the question and got them on the record saying no, when really there was an incident, can really be beneficial to you and your owners in the future. No question about it. And, and it assures my company and my staff that the proper questions are being asked and the same questions are being asked every single time. It's consistent. That, that's Lots exactly right. I'll have, a, I'll have a leasing manager bring me a, a lease to sign or something and I'll say, okay, you know, did you ask these questions? Did you ask right. you know, all the questions you're kind of outlining? That, okay, that's let's, right. Let's talk about assistance animals a little bit. And I use the word animals, not pets. And so I'm just that's correct. And I know you know a lot about this. So, you know, we hear other terms besides assistance animals. We hear service animals, emotional support animals. And I'd love to just get your take on, is all this summed up into one category? Because I know this is an incredibly confusing topic for even, even my company, but yeah, sure. maybe an individual landlord who's trying to rent their house on their own. So maybe you can just kind of Take us over that, uh, what you're looking for, what, what you're allowed to ask, what you're not allowed to ask, yeah. and you handle that. I, I, yeah, absolutely. It, it, is a, it is actually a confusing and uh, somewhat complex issue. Um, even attorneys, quite frankly, I, I hear attorneys really not giving guidance that is consistent with the statutes. And it's not because they mean any harm, but it just demonstrates how confusing it is. So, you know, ADA, uh, which is the Americans with Disability Act, which really... And, the, and then when we're talking about animals, okay, we're not, that's what we're talking about here. So when it comes yes. to animals, when it comes to the ADA, the ADA is focused on service animals. And service animals can only be two breeds, dogs, and get ready for this, miniature horses. That's it. <laughs> no joke. No miniature joke. horses and dogs. And the ADA is focused on public accommodations. These would be places like movie theaters. You pick any place that you can go and do commercial business, that's a public accommodation. The question set over on the ADA for service animals is different than the question set under the Fair Housing Act. The Fair Housing Act applies to housing. Interesting. Housing so, so it's different if you're a movie theater versus a landlord. Absolutely. That is, that is 100% correct. That's right. So under the Fair Housing Act, which is housing related, the question set is different. The, under the Fair Housing Act, there are no breed restrictions, meaning it's not just limited to dogs and miniature horses. There are no breed restrictions. Now, I will caution and just say that if someone tried to claim they had an alligator, you could probably demonstrate that an alligator is dangerous. So that could be a, quote, breed restriction on an alligator. The point is, FHA, Fair Housing Act, says there are no breed restrictions, so you have to look at each and every one uniquely. And the broad-based term that we use over in Fair Housing Act is assistance animals. So that really covers anyone that says they have an emotional support animal, a companion animal, a therapy animal, a, um, a service animal. Because remember, service animal under the ADA is a different context than what we're talking about. Sure. Well, that's animals are most, so if you're a landlord, the, 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 the sort of catch-all term would be assistance animals. Yeah, just, yeah. So, and we, and, and even that still confuses people because they'll, yeah. They ask if you're making an accommodation request for an assistance animal, and they go, no, I have a service dog. And it's yeah. like, well, a service dog in this context is still a type of assistance animal. 
And we still will review that service dog no different than we review an emotional support dog. Because again, under Fair Housing Act, training is not required. Under the ADA, a service dog must provide a task. Under Fair Housing, no training is required. So it is, it's an interesting subject. You know, we, we understand the statutes. We, we, this is not punitive. We are here to help individuals who legitimately have a disability and a disability-related need for an assistance animal. Right. And to, the two questions that are permissible under the Fair Housing Act are clearly outlined uh, in the HUD memo dated from 2013, which you can go find on the internet. We also, in our product, PetScreening.com, when someone is making an accommodations request, we don't refer to it as a pet anymore. We refer to it as an animal only from that, from that point forward. Um, there's no charge whatsoever for someone who's making uh, an accommodations request. Mm-hmm. And we ask the two HUD permissible questions word for word. And there's never any concern on your part or the landlords that you, or the uh, property owners that you work for that anyone is asking the wrong question. Because if someone asks, what is your disability versus do you have a disability? That's a monumental consequence in question and answers. You cannot ask someone what their disability is. You cannot do that. And you can imagine someone new starting and just saying, oh, what's your disability? And they, they mean no harm, but the reality is that's a violation. You cannot ask that. So yeah, it's almost a conversation you're having with someone. You might just phrase something. Just slip in words. Absolutely. And, uh, we warrant a complaint to the to HUD or, or that, that that's exactly right. So we um you know we we're very proud. I've I've been to Washington D.C. I've met with folks in HUD. I, I I have not I've never asked nor would I ever ask for endorsement of the what we do at pet screening because you know I don't mix government with a, a product you know that just that's not good policy. I, I will tell you though that we've offered to take any data that we have and we would of course redact them in private share that with HUD. Because HUD is craving data in this particular space. And if there's anything our company can do to provide them data, we have made that offer already. And we'll continue to make that offer. But I will tell you, Bob, we are seeing that of, here's some interesting stats. About 12% of the total folks that come to our site have, are making, I should say, accommodation requests. So out of 100 people that come to our site with either a pet or an animal, we see about 12 are for accommodation requests. And the other 88 are just ordinary household pets. Sure. Right? So of the 12 animals, if you will, what we see is that about 40%, and that's 4-0, 40%, we are either sending it back to the animal owner, who's, who's known as the requester, for more information because what we have is insufficient. And we ask for more data because we need the data to make sure it's valid. And many of these people either disappear Interesting. Or, or they convert it to a pet mm-hmm. on their because own. It's, because it's uh, not a legitimate. Uh, well, I, you know, I don't, you know, I don't draw the conclusion. I will just tell you that we are here to help them. And if they decide to convert their animal request to a pet, that's on them. The point is we are here to help them. And what we see is people who legitimately have assistance animals actually give us great feedback saying, we love the fact that we feel like we're not having to deal with just a leasing agent. We're actually dealing with a company that knows what they're doing. And we also feel like you're stopping people who don't have legitimate assistance animals. So they get- I mean, let's face it. There are websites out there where I've done it. I've, I registered yes. where I go. You can pay a hundred bucks or whatever it is. And, and uh, within about 10 minutes, you can get a card and a certificate that says you have an emotional support animal. Well, you, so- you know, you can, you, you can. And I will tell you that, um, you know, without going into too much detail, 
Um, not every, you know, not every site is, uh, I think, adhering to the Fair Housing Act guidelines. Mm-hmm. And some of the sites are. What we do, though, is we just, we look at every accommodation request uniquely. We have a legal review team that actually looks at every single request individually. Like this is not automated. There's a human element to it. And we are. And you have uh, to because everyone's different, right? Every, every single right. request have, for accommodation is, is like that's right. different animals. Yeah, because I hear a lot of firms that go, oh, we just say if it's, if it's a doctor's no, we'll accept them. If it's not a doctor's no, we won't. Well, that was, that's, bad, that's bad guidance because yeah. these doctors don't necessarily have to be from medical doctors. They can be from therapists or counselors. Sure. There's really no exhaustive list of where these documents can come from. Uh, the point is we have a really neat service. We take our time. We are just trying to bring some, what I, you know, remember in bump when you bowled and you were a child and they had the little things on the rails that would pop up and then they drop them if, you know, as you got older. I feel like we're bringing some rails to this to help make sure that people are really um, following the guidelines, both the requesters and uh, landlords for that matter. And I think it's a fabulous uh, service that we're offering and uh, we're having a lot of fun and um, happy to do it. Well, good for you. It sounds like you're having a lot of fun. And I, I really like the service because it allows us to, you know, send the tenant or the prospective tenant to a third party site. Uh, you guys ask the question, you validate the status of assistance animals for us. That's right. Our team having to do that. And that's just a, you know, I love it. It's a terrific Perfect service, and we make sure that you're asking the HUD questions, not not my team. <laughs> well, that well, and it's in and it's in writing, so even I don't have to worry about us asking the wrong questions. So it's it's uh, you know it's fair game, and we uh, and just so you know, we don't give we don't coach or counsel or give legal advice to anyone who's making an accommodations request. We provide them with the documents that are readily available, both from the Department of Justice, the ADA as it relates to public accommodations, and then of course the Fair Housing Act. We make those documents readily available. Uh, and we are here to answer as many questions as we can of people making accommodation requests. But it is telling sometimes when someone just asks, well, what do I need? And we're just like, well, you know, here's the document. Please read it. You yeah. need to have a document that affirms you have a disability and a disability-related need. Uh, one, one thing I want to point out, I always try to do this. If someone has an obvious disability and an obvious disability-related need for the animal, there is no need for anyone to send them to petscreening.com for us to do the accommodation because individuals who have obvious disabilities and a disability-related need for the animal, you know, that's it. You're done. This speaks to individuals who have what we call non-obvious or it's sometimes often referred to as invisible disabilities. Sure. And so if, if you don't know they have a disability or you can't see an obvious disability, and it's more than just a disability, it's the disability-related need. So if someone came in with, you know, dark glasses on and you could tell they had a cane and it was pretty obvious that they have a, right. a, a, a seeing, you know, they're blind or have some sort of vision impairment, you would not send them to us. You would just go ahead and work with them in business as usual fashion. But if someone came in with one crutch and a cast, then just because they have a crutch and it looks like they might be disabled doesn't necessarily mean that they need an animal. That's mm-hmm. the second question, disability-related need for an animal. So they must meet both questions to qualify. Okay. Great. Hey, I know you have to go cast some votes. Yes, I, I do. Yes. <laughs> yeah. No, I do. I mean, I, actually, we can talk about this all day. All I'll tell you. I know, right? It's a, it's a yeah. Good well, about. I'll just summarize by saying this. You know, you're a, you're, I, I know your reputation. You're a leader in the industry. The fact that you're using this product shows me that you not only care about your tenants and your residents, because this is a neat product that they can use, but also that you care about uh, doing the right thing for your staff and for all your owners that you work for, because owners 
been reluctant to want to take pets, this product's going to really let them open their minds to say, okay, well, I'll consider pets now. Because if they say no, they're going to, 30, that means only 30% of the population are going to look at their house and they're going to sit there with a vacancy longer. Okay. This will open their eyes to the idea of taking pets. And uh, let's face it, I don't know about you, but if I lived in one of your properties and I moved out a year later, you'd never know my dog was there because I'm a responsible pet owner and I take great pride in how I treat a property, including my pet. And I'm not alone. There are a lot of people out there like that. So saying no really can, um, really, uh, I think, do some harm financially to your own assets. So you might as well accept pets. So thank you for listening, Bob. Great work. And uh, thanks for uh, inviting us to your show. Oh, John, thanks for, for joining. It was great to have you. And well, let's wrap up the show until we have our next broadcast. We'll be out working hard for our clients to maximize rental income and your property values. And thank you for joining, John. Again, the Property Management Brings from Podcast. Thank you.